Discussion with Rashad. We finish up evaluating the Wizards' winning streak by discussing the victory in Minnesota. Talk about Markeith Morris's impact with the team over his first two weeks. Alan Anderson's return and how what that means for the Wizards, along with a little Kevin Durant to DC talk. So enjoy. We are Rashad. So when we when we set up this podcast, I basically said to you, it was like, all right, dude, we're going to do this on Thursday night after the Timberwolves game. And I said, there are two things that are going to happen. They are either going to beat the T-Wolves uh, in Minnesota, and they're going to be 500, or they're going to lose, and they're going to be two games under 500 going to Cleveland after they just whooped them, and LeBron's going to play, and, and we know how hard that game's going to be. We'll talk about a little bit here uh, shortly. I actually just watched it right before we recorded. I was, you know, mentioned I had too many adult beverages last night. I did not see it live. I watched it right before Adam, the podcast. Adam, do you have a problem? Would you like to discuss it with the podcast audience? Uh, 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 yes, I, I am a single male in the nation's capital uh, out here just trying to find uh, love. And, uh, you know, like yourself, <laughs> like yourself, I, I, I don't, I, you know, I, I don't know if I need to go on The Bachelor, uh, yet. My mom, uh, she used to want me to go on The Bachelor. Now she thinks they're all crazy. Uh, that's a shout out to your wife. So I watched this game and just recently, the Minnesota comes out and jumps on them. The Wizards respond. A lot of people contribute. Bradley Beal had the postseason Bradley Beal. He has actually been slumping last, the last few, the last few uh, weeks shooting, Alan Anderson contributed. I thought Nene had really solid minutes. Dudley hit some shots. A, a lot of good plays. I, also, I believe Minnesota is really bad on defense. And then, of course, the Wizards almost blew it at the end, uh, similar to kind of like that Knicks game. Not as bad as that Knicks game in New York. But they pull out the victory, and they're 30 and 30 were shot. So we, this is a positive, positive show. And so that's why I was really excited today when I when – I, thought about going to rehab for alcohol uh what was your takeaway <laughs> what was your takeaway about the minnesota game last time man i felt like he whitman had all i mean except for gary neal he had all the tools at his disposal and you had the kind of game where if you wondered okay what happens if john wall doesn't play his best and he's not giving you everything that you want how can they win and you had your answer you had your off-season acquisition alan anderson who was just, he, he was money. He was hitting big shots. He was confident out there. And you had Bradley 18, Bill. 18 points in 20 minutes for, for A, right, by the way. Right, And like you said, Bradley Bill looked like playoff Bradley Bill. He was aggressive. He was picking his spots. You know, there was no hesitation in his shot. And How about that dunk? How about that dunk that he had? Damn. Oh, yeah. The baseline. Yeah. yeah. Just, just I, no, like, I, I, the one where it looked like he was not going to be able to dunk it because 
kind of maybe took off too far and there was a guy and he kind of hung and then kind of like somehow still elevated up. It was really impressive. Buck Hansen was really excited about it too. I mean, he's no, he's no Doug McDermott. Yes, he's, he's I know. Okay. I know, he's I know. Okay. I know St. Louis. I mean, you know, <laughs> shit. St. Louis, Ames, Iowa, you know, uh, keep going. <laughs> but, you know, it, as, as I was sitting there watching Bradley Bill, it, it frustrated me again. I was like, why, why, why can't he start? You know, just put him out there, let him start, and let him get going early because he he looked great out there. And I, you know, I'll give the Wizards a pass on this one. Yes, it was closer than it should have been, but it's tough to win on the road. And I guess the X factor we don't know what kind of emotional things that we're going through because you know that's where Flip was, that's where Flip coached, and you know it's the first time they had played there since he passed, and you don't know what was going through their minds, what was going through the coaches' minds, and what was going through the rest of the players' minds, and so that's that's a good win, that's a taking care of business win that you do against a team that could very well beat you with the, with the athletes on there. So it was a good win because you got to see Wall had 14 and 12. He wasn't great, you know, but he was good. But you had the guy who should be a starter and, and Bill and Alan Anderson come up big for you. And so, you know, that's that's momentum you can use going into this game against Cleveland because if Bill is going to play that confidently and Alan, and Alan Anderson is going to play that way off the bench, Wall is not going to put up just 14 and 12 against Cleveland. You know that. So it's, 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 there are reasons to be encouraged off that Minnesota win. Yeah, no, Wall was 6 of 18 from the floor, 12 assists, but five turnovers and only 14 points. And he has been pretty money, you know, all, all month and he's been scoring a lot, like we mentioned. Uh, and then Bradley Beal, 10 of 15, 26 points, three of four from three. He had been in, he had been shooting 22% from three point in the last seven games before, before last night. And Anderson, four seven from three. So the Wizards were 11 to 29 from threes. And you kind of saw, uh, I think the Buckhands and Phil even mentioned it at one time where Wall just took it, I, th- I think it was off a of make. I mean, actually the, the Beal dunk that I was mentioned, that I talked about earlier was off a of make. And there was another time Wall takes, takes it off a of make. And he drives in the heat of the defense. Looks like he's out of control. And he kicks it blindly to Bradley Beal, who was spotting up on the left side in cash. And then there was, there was, there was three things that, 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 that made me, uh, made me chuckle was, so Beal hits a shot, uh, at the end of the third quarter. So they go to timeout. They go to timeout. And all of a sudden I see Markeith Morris smiling, Rashad. I saw an actual smile from, from, from Markeith Morris, my first smile as a wizard. I thought that was encouraging. And during when I see the smile, they go to Bradley Beal, and he had that look, man. He had that look when Paul Pierce would talk shit to him, right? He had that look that he had, he gave to the Raptors last playoffs. He had that look be like, no one can guard me. Remember that vibe of him saying, you can't effing stop me? Him pound his chest. I mean, hell, even, even Paul Pierce had Otto Porter saying that on a couple and ones in the playoffs last year. Like, Beal had that look. Like, yo, like, I'm feeling it. You can't stop me. He had drives. He had dunks and ones. He was spotting up, not taking the long twos. It was, you know, it was just really encouraging. And then the funniest part is that right after that, a minute later, Nene gets hammered, actually legitimately got fouled. Not a, I get, not a Nene, I get fouled every time I miss it. Nene foul, like a legitimate foul. <laughs> they zoom in on Nene. And I wish I could mouth, uh, I could read lips in Portuguese, but I'm pretty sure whatever the cuss words are in Portuguese from our, our Brazilian listeners, 
That's what Nene said. So I was like, wow, I went from a Markeith smile to Bradley Beal being like, no one can fucking stop me, to Nene cussing in, in Portuguese. I thought it was a pretty funny sequence, Rashad. <laughs> yeah, I did. I did notice that Nene was, was a little irritated, but you're right. Bill had that. I mean, it's as if somebody told Bill before the game, you know, you're not a vital part of the rotation. And he just was like, oh, really? And he just took it personal. And, you know, I don't know, and he doesn't know, what the minute restriction is. And I don't know how long this has to go on. But at some point, you know, all the minute restrictions in the world aren't going to matter if you miss the playoffs. And if he's going to keep not starting and coming off the bench. And, and Randy keeps saying, and even Bill says this, it doesn't matter who stars is who finishes, but that's not true with the Wizards. The tone is everything. And the tone that it sets when the defense has to worry where Wall is and where Bill is, is totally different than Andrew Wiggins feeling like he can sag off Temple because there's no threat there. Temple clearly is not shooting quite as well as he did earlier in the season. And it just sets a tone. You know, it gives the team confidence. And the fact that Beal had that look, you know, I wish that this led into him starting against the Cavs tomorrow because, you know, eventually you can't just rely on, you know, we're just saving him for the playoffs. You have to go out and you have to kind of force your own luck. And well, he's ready. Well, here's the deal. It's like, so Kyle was basically defending. Okay, he wasn't defending. We had a good discussion about this. You know, what's up, Kyle? I know you're not listening to this, but uh, I'm going to get you. Uh, you're going to come back on this podcast because it was supposed to be me and you uh, for a long time. But, you know, Rashad is now the man. He, you know? He, he <laughs> anyway, the point being is that he was basically saying, okay, if Beal is on a minutes restriction, that it actually works out better for him to actually come off the bench because we want Beal to close. So now you're managing Beal's minutes in 43 minutes instead of 48 when you want Bill to still close. And then you can have Bill a little bit longer out there with the second unit. That makes sense. The only thing that I think that if there is no minutes restriction, then you got to start Bradley Beal. Because actually what happens, and the reason when I was saying like Otto Porter is kind of the X factor, is because, okay, you start with John Wall. And you're talking about setting the tone, which I totally agree with. What is John, what are John Wall's strengths, right? John Wall can get to the rim. John Wall can is a one-man fast break. John Wall is a freak-ass blocker, but John Wall's main thing is that he can create shots for other dudes. And then the way the defense has to react to John Wall, because he can go right through him and finish, is that then there's shooters to be open, right? So we already know that, you know, Gortat's not going to be a shooter, so then, you know, you're going to play small, and you're going to have Dudley being a three-point shooter. Markeith really isn't a three-point shooter. He can he can create a little bit more space with his, his mid-range game, but... Then it comes down to who are the two dudes who have to shoot the shots that John Wall creates, Otto Porter and Garrett Temple, right? And it's like, so if I wasn't hitting, you know Garrett Temple, who's mired in a shooting slump, isn't going to hit. So all of a sudden it's like you're not maximizing John Wall's strengths on the court when you don't have Bradley Beal and, to a lesser extent now, maybe Alan Anderson, correct? Right. I mean, Al... Right, you know what I mean? Like you have Alan Anderson Beal around John Wall, and they're... I mean, that's pretty freaking potent, deadly, deadly offense right now, right? And so the more minutes you have John Wall playing, you need more shooters around him on the time. I mean, I get the whole bit. And they're actually, and what's difficult in this, which is going to be, you know, we're going to see, hey, you know, Randy Whitman, that's why you make all the money. This is why your job's on the line. Hey, what's up? 
uh, you got to figure out this with this menace restrictions with Alan Anderson and Bradley Bill. I understand more about Alan Anderson coming back as he's still working his way in, but eventually I, I really do that. I think that we're going to see a closing lineup and we saw it a little bit last night of, of, of Wall, Beal, Anderson, Dudley or Morris. I think Morris. So Morris and then Gortat or Nene. I think that could be the seven dudes that we'll see what's up with this team when it comes to crunch time. Yeah, but even I don't know how I feel about that lineup because some you know somebody's always going to get excluded. I mean, I you don't like Anderson Beal. You don't like Anderson Beal, Wall, Morris, Gortat. Yeah, I mean, I take that back. That's that's actually a, a right? strong lineup. Right, it is a strong because because Anderson can defend right, and maybe even defend some guards and help Wall out a little bit. And he can shoot, and, and he has he has that. That that one thing that Otto lacks is that 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 toughness. So I don't know if you remember this play Anthony Anderson had. I believe it was against Anthony Anderson. Alan Anderson. <laughs> Did you watch? <laughs> Where, it? Was it Nickelodeon that he was on? You watched it too much SNL lately, or what? Uh, okay, we're just going to ignore that. So uh, Alan Anderson had the ball underneath the basket and kind of muscled his way into a layup against Big Man, and it's like. He just has that toughness. Like when when Alan Anderson scores, the whole bench rallies. They get pumped up, and he gets pumped up, and he just has that toughness that Otto Otto doesn't have, and Garrett Temple doesn't really have. And it's just you want that in the lineup at, at crunch time. You know, I mean that's that that's why they brought him here. I mean he he represents that, that kind of that glue guy, and so you do want him in the lineup. Um, but even he is on kind of a a minutes restriction. I mean against Philly. He didn't play because he was, well, it was soreness. He was out with soreness. Nene was out with body soreness, which was, you know, was a first for me. So you have you have to be careful with how you use him. So I think for now, like you said, this is why Whitman gets paid the big bucks. He's really going to have to, you know, I mean, it's better than not having any guys. But he's going to have to kind of figure out how he's going to manage these minutes, how he's going to read the flow of the game and, um, so we'll we'll see, and, all, and while doing all that, he has to keep in mind that this team is still expected to make a, make a playoff. So, you know, I see tomorrow I, night. I I actually just looked up a uh, barbershop. The next cut, uh, Anthony Anderson is in that. Is that is that what you watched recently? No, Anthony Anderson's on Blackish. So I watched that. Is that what it is? Okay, hold on. Look. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what show is that? Oh, there it is. Two thousand. He's Andre Dre. He's Dre. Lead role. What, right. What, is it good? It's very good. It's very good. What channel? ABC. Dude, uh, I, I'm confusing my uh, overweight uh, or, or, or uh, biggish black uh, actors. I was thinking the dude on Saturday Night Live. Who's that guy? Oh, from Keenan and Kel. Yeah, yes, yes. I don't know why I convinced I confused Anthony. So you're confusing, <laughs> you're confusing Alan Anderson and Anthony Anderson, and I'm like... We're, we're setting back race relations. Oh, I know, I know, I know. Uh, yeah, we are. We are. We are. I mean, I, mean, I, I, have, I have so many jokes, but I'm not going to make them. But here, but, yeah, but, but, Rashad, let's, let's move on. Uh, uh, it, so, the takeaway from all this, we've kind of touched on it a little bit. But I think I think the people that are still listening, they're that thank you for your free content. I hope you love it. But why is this team? We went through you know most of the games since since all of this. Why do you think this team has been on a winning streak? What what has been working 
to make them seven two since the All Star break. It's good. I mean, that, one of the every you heard every pundit say at the All Star break the Wizards had one of the most difficult schedules before the break, and after the break they had one of the easier schedules. And when you look at the wins, they they do. I mean, they they beat the Pelicans, they beat the Sixers twice. You know, they they beat Minnesota and they beat Cleveland without LeBron, a good team, but Cleveland without LeBron. So the schedule is definitely one of the main reasons why they're playing so well. Then it's health. You got Anthony Anderson back. He, <laughs> you got Allen Anderson back. He got, he got you a victory in Minnesota. You have Bradley Beal who is starting to relish his role as the sixth or seventh man right now. And so he's playing better. You got Markeith Morris who is way more, more athletic than Jared Dudley and plays a little better defense. And so you have all these parts and they're adding up to wins. But again, we're at that point right now where, like I wrote in my piece after the Sixers game, in the words of Eddie Jordan, you, you got to harvest your nuts right now. And so all the easy wins that were there for the taking, they got, except for the Bulls. They got them. They won seven of nine. Now, you have Cleveland and Indiana back-to-back. Those are two playoff teams. you got to win that. Then you go on a, on a little West Coast trip. These are the games that you have to have. And so I'm not going to heap the crown on them yet. Not, not yet. I mean, if they win, if they beat the Cavs, okay, let's say they go one and one because I don't expect them to beat the Cavs. But I do expect them to beat the Pacers, assuming they don't let Paul George go crazy like he did before. And then you have Portland, Utah, Denver, which is not easy. Portland is playing amazing ball right now. No team likes to go to Utah. Okay, even Golden State struggled in Utah. So that's a tough game. Denver, I'm not going to say that's a tough game. And they're athletic, but that's a game that they should win. So, okay, let's say they go 3-2, and 4-1. and one. If they have that kind of momentum, then I'm still... I'm able to share your enthusiasm of like, okay, this is still a playoff team. But if they will only win one or two games on this trip, meanwhile, Orlando is playing well, Milwaukee is playing well, the Bulls are about to get Jimmy Butler back, and they lose ground, then it's like, you know, what what are we talking about? You know, like all that win streak means nothing then. So I feel like they did what they were supposed to do. Nothing really surprised me in these nine games, but these next five or six games it, it, it means everything. Yeah, this is the Stats Don't Lie section of the podcast. Uh, since the All-Star break, I crunched some numbers, and the Wizards have the third best defense in the NBA since the All-Star break. They have improved their defensive ranking, efficiency ranking, to 17th in the NBA, where it has basically been in the 20s all season. Their offense is 18th overall, uh, and their offense is has been like 20th since the All-Star break. So to me... Oh, Nicole, Randy Whitman, their offense has been shit lately, too. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, no, I, so, I mean, the stats bear this out. I mean, I mean, they have the third best defense in, in, in the league since, since the All-Star break. And that, I think, has really fueled their, their victories here. And, and I, I do agree that the schedule has helped out. Now, to me, Let's get let's get more into. I haven't got your take, your hot take. Uh, you know, not your Stephen A. Smith hot take. Your uh, your Rashad Mobley, uh, Anthony Anderson uh, hot take about 
Alan, about Marquis first. What did you think about the trade? How do you think that he's adjusted? I've seen some positive things about him over the last uh, week or so. Just, just your feelings about the move and what you've seen in this brief, this short sample and just, you know, the pros and cons of, of, of that decision to trade for him. Well, I found out he was traded literally as I was walking from my house to the Verizon Center that night. Uh, I don't remember who they played that night, but I, that's when I heard about the trade and I was a little skeptical. Um, because the jazz, jazz game, right? Right. It was the jazz and it was, I was talking to Troy Halliburton and I was also talking to Ben Sanders and we all agreed that the, the trade reeked of desperation. You know, it was like, we have to do something. We have to make a move. And I held on to that line of thought about this seems desperate. I didn't go hear Ernie Grunfeld's bit platitudes at halftime. I just, I, I felt like, this is a desperation trade. And then I went into the locker room after the Jazz game and listened to Jared Dudley and Marcin Gortat. And they basically, they sang his praises. I think Marcin Gortat said he was spicy. Um, but they both seemed to take, they seemed to take it as a personal challenge to them that they wanted to make sure they got the best out of Marquis. Um, Jared Dudley said, I'm going to look after him. Marching Gortat said, he's not a bad dude. He's just spicy. He's competitive. And he has a bit of an attitude. And that's what this team needs. And so when I heard them talk, and then I heard that Ernie Grunfeld and Randy Whitman leaned on the advice of Dudley and Gortat, I felt a little better about the trade. Um, so the first few games, I just kind of threw out because he came – it's not easy to get on a team with 20 to 25 games left and a team that's also having players come back from injury and you're trying to get in when you fit in. But oh. the things that impressed me were, number one, his defense. Um, he's not necessarily known as a great defender. He deed up Bobby Portis. Um, he deed up Kevin Love. Um, he's willing to move the ball. He, he was he obviously he caught the passing ball from John Wall. He's had a lot of good passes. And he runs the floor. Um, on that pick and roll, he goes hard to the basket, and Wall has been giving him the ball. Sessions has been giving him the ball, and he's athletic. So, um, and then after the last game in Philly, uh, they asked Gortat about Dudley. I mean, about uh, Morris, and he just started smiling. He was like, "It's like we're back in Phoenix again." He's like, "It's sweet," and even Morris was like, "Yeah, they're making me feel comfortable." So I feel a lot better about it. You know, nobody has been talking about all the attitude issues because he has two former teammates and he's on a playoff team and he's not on a coach. He's not playing on a team that traded his brother. So that hostility is kind of off. And so I'm, I'm all in on this trade. I think that he's going to help them. I think he gives them a different look. Um, I'm very curious to see how he's going to play against Cleveland at full strength. I want to see if you, I don't know if you saw the graphic during the Cav, during the Cavaliers game. On Saturday, well, you didn't see it because you were at the game, but his career average is Cleveland is higher than any other team. I think it's like 17 or 18 points per game. So I, I want to see how he reacts in the first game that's a true playoff atmosphere. I'd like to see that. But as of right now, to answer your question, I'm all in on this trade. I, I am now a believer. Yeah. I go back to our previous podcast and I said the pros and cons, and, and a lot of it will be played out. Obviously, 
I get worried when the Wizards trade uh, first-round picks because of the past history. But what I've seen out of Markeith, what I saw in that Cavs game is that, so he had like, it was a blowout, a lot of other people doing stuff, but he had three straight finishes. One was like a massive dunk. Another one where like he basically got in close, pushed the dude around, then got an easy bucket. And then he had a really pretty athletic up and under uh, move, which I thought was great. And showed his athleticism, showed the grit that they were talking about. Because technically, if you look at his rebound numbers, he's not a, he's not a big rebounder guy, you know? But he does have the tough, like the toughness that they've sold on him is actually true. Like it, it's been bared out. They, like even in the game in Philly, he got a rebound off a, off a free throw. He beat his dude on a free throw on, on a Wizards free throw and got an offensive putback. And I had not seen that from a Wizard <laughs> in a long time. Well, and the other play that impressed me was, uh, against Philly at home the other night and you were at the game and they got him, they got him in the post because because that first game that I went to was against the Pistons. It was against his brother as well, which which was kind of weird. Uh, he, I mean, I, this is how weird it was. We were, we were waiting outside to interview him for the first time from his trade. And while we're in, we waiting to interview him, he's like introducing himself to Randy Whitman. <laughs> he's like, hi. You know, him and Randy Whitman are basically having the first conversation they've ever had while we're all sitting around waiting to interview him. He basically didn't say much. I wanted to really ask him about the legal matter. I've heard some things that that it might go away and that those witnesses have recanted. I don't really want to go into that because we have him for more years and I, and I feel when that's going to play itself out that, that there'll be more to that. So right now I just want to focus on basketball, even though that does give me, that is a huge red flag that still concerns me. But as for his game on the court, the play that that, that stood out to me was he got the ball in the post against Philly. And then it was like brute strength. Like I'm gonna like just back you down and then go up and go and go into the hoop. And like, first of all, the Wizards really don't have anyone like that. I mean, Nene is only the one that maybe has that post game, but we've seen on his declining skills, even though he did have a fucking awesome dunk on uh Carl Towns, the rookie of the year potentially last night, which was pretty awesome. But we, but they can't really dump the ball in Nene anymore on the block. All he wants to, I mean, he's more better at the high post. He's more better for defense. Defense is what Nene's bread and butter still is, his backup center. And Gortat is going to fade away. He's more good on, on the move, pick and rolls. Like, there's really, aside from maybe when John Wall tries to post up, even though, and Bradley once in a while might have a post up, there's no real post up guy where you're like, dump the ball and be like, yo, man, back your man down, you know, and go, like, do some kind of move. And I saw him do that twice. And then another thing that really impressed me that I never really noticed of his game, and maybe you saw that you're because you were there. Or what, I'd like to know your opinion because you're there. Is that like, dude, like he can pass really well. Like there was a couple really, and it wasn't like he had a couple good high low passes at Gortat, but it wasn't just like he made good passes. He was like anticipating where the player was going to be and was like seeing that you know stuff that John Wall does stuff that. It's like instinctively, you, we see Dudley do this. Dudley's a really good touch passer. He's a really good, like, oh, that's where the guy's going to be in the opening. It, it's almost like a quarterback leading, leading the guy away. And I saw that, not just like, oh, hey, he might be open and kind of reacting. It was like, it was an aggressive type of passing 
a fundamental instinct basketball sense. Like, yo, dude, this guy is like a basketball player. He isn't just a dude that's going to shoot fadeaways from 20 feet away. Like, he has some type of team game to me. And that really stood out stood out to me. I don't know if you saw any of that yourself. I did. And that's why I, st- I think what John Wall was doing early in the game was infectious. He had a couple of nice touch passes. And he also had a couple of passes that he forced. But... I mean, part of that is being the new guy and you want to impress your new teammate, your, your new teammates. But part of that is reading the offense, seeing what John Wall is doing, and kind of winning in. And so, you know, that's, I think that if he, once his shot starts falling, I think he's getting a little more comfortable. He's going to be, a, he's going to be a threat because he can drive, he can shoot, he can touch pass. And, uh, I, I think that's, that's definitely an aspect of his game that, that's going to be beneficial to the Wizards. So, like I said, I I have no problems admitting I was skeptical about the trade, but now I I, I just think he's he's a huge asset, and he's it's much better than Chris Humphreys uh, and Otto Porter. You know, I think he's 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 perfect at that that stretch four position for now. The the other was in Rashad that I was really uh, had a great great morning, even though I was hungover and it was cold, and I had to go to work. Is that I read these quotes on my phone when I was on the red line and it wasn't delayed because the red line's always delayed, but it was not. Uh, and I read these quotes from uh, Kevin Durant. They, they blew a 22-point second-half lead last night to the Clippers, a uh, 17-point lead to open the fourth, and they lost. And this is his quote, big headline, ESPN. They made the plays, we didn't, Durant said. They were disciplined. We weren't. We want to be a great team. We're fooling ourselves. If we want just to want to be a great team, the way we're playing, we're fooling ourselves. We want to win a bunch of games in the regular season. That's cool, but we're fooling ourselves with the way we're playing. He keeps going, and he says, uh, I think the best thing is, is the decision we have to... We have to make collectively as a group and accountability standpoint, what kind of team do we want to be? That's what Billy Donovan said. Uh, Durant keeps going. We lost a few games, lost some tough ones, but at the end of the day, we're playing basketball, something we love to do every single day. When you look at it like that, it's not as tough as you think, but losing does suck, and we hate losing. But at the end of the day, we're still in good spot. We just got to climb out of where we are at right now. That is two end of the days, and that is uh, uh, we're fooling ourselves three times, and uh, we and losing sucks. So the Wizards are 500, Rashad, and uh, the Kevin Durant DC stuff has taken a negative tone of late. Uh, and here I want I want to uh, just give you the list because I, I know you have contributed to this uh, on your preview of the Sixers game last week. Uh, first, let me start with the uh, Suku Smith, uh, a writer for NBA.com, is on NBA TV. He basically the other day just straight up said that Kevin Durant is not going to Washington. He pretty much that there was no source. He just said it's not going to happen. Uh, Woj, Woj, you know the, the writer now at the Vertical at Yahoo, the man with all the scoops. He basically says that Washington isn't the plans. He's the one that's floated the Kevin Durant to Golden State. Uh, your man uh, David Aldridge is what you reported. You listen. You still listen to the Krusty Tony Kornizer, the Wizard Hater, uh, and uh, Da on the radio. And you're the only one that I know that does listen to them, and you tell me what happens, and I'd love to make fun of you. I'd like to make fun Actually, of you about uh, it. Kevin, Kevin Broom and Ben Standen also listened because they okay. had a conversation today about 
Okay. Except, you know, Tony said two, so. two, other, two other old white dudes. Uh, anyway, Rashad, uh, let, 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 to, to, to finish, is that so DA basically said that Kevin Durant will not come to Washington, D.C. because uh, the practice facility won't be built and their practice facility in Oklahoma City, the Wizards are still, pre- they're building a practice facility. They got the money. There's still some hang up in the government. It's a whole other podcast because I can go off on about a 20 minute rant about that, but that's not relevant to this, this discussion. Is that, and then Jake Whitaker of Bulls Forever, then all of a sudden it's like, man, KD to DC, like, it ended up being kind of a fun thing. And now it's just taking this like negative tone. And so then all of a sudden, Wizards are 500, yeah. So all these people are saying this stuff. They're like, Wizards are going to make the playoffs. Why would you want to go there? Kevin Durant's all fine. Now you got Kevin Durant. They, they're, they're struggling. They've lost five of seven. Kevin Durant, uh, had a, uh, messed up the Kevin, the Stephen Curry shot the other night. They choked a game away. They should have won. They've lost five of seven since the All-Star break. They're playing the Warriors tonight. After we get off this podcast, we're going to hopefully watch this before we fall asleep. They blew this awful game. You got Durant with these quotes. I'm like, this is the best KD to DC day that I've had all year. And the thing is, is like, I've always been, you know, lukewarm on it all. Like, I want fans to be happy, but I don't want to get their expectations too high about it. But now and always people are just being like, nope, not going there. Nope, not going there. Nope, not going there. And they're, they're just ripping on the wizards. Now I get protective. Now, uh, now I'm like, well, F you, you don't know anything. I mean, Zach Lowe actually sent a tweet out the other day. He was like, no one knows anything about what Kevin Durant wants to do in June, which I, which I linked on the, on the, on the link post I did on Truth About It. So Rashad, uh, it is, it's a great day for KD to DC. I'm all in on KD to DC now. I want the, I want the Thunder to struggle. I want the Wizards to do awesome. And, you know, I want the Wizards to get in the playoffs, win a series, lose the close ones. I want the Thunder to lose tragically, uh, maybe get swept, losing five games in the second round. And now KD's whole, whole world has changed. What do you think? How about that? Yeah, I don't, those most recent comments by, Kevin Durant, that was a, a Golden State hangover. That was a devastating loss. Um, they they played about as well as they could play. KD got a cheap foul early in overtime and basically was on bench. And Russell Westbrook tried to do too much, took bad shots, and Steph Curry hit the perfect shot, and they won the game. No, no, no. Kevin Durant had that awful turnover. We should have called timeout. That's what I was talking about. No, he did. He did. At the at the end of the game, he threw a bad pass. But I'm saying, if you take away that, he, he was the reason why they were in the game. I mean, he played amazing. And I think that they thought they were going to win. And the combination of... I mean, if, if the turnover had happened and KD had played overtime, they would have won. I mean, he was that hot. But it didn't happen. And I think the next night, I mean, the next time they played, they looked terrible. And they, they were expected to look terrible because... They weren't playing Golden State. They couldn't avenge their loss, and so I wasn't surprised that they looked as bad as they did against the Clippers, and they and they relinquished that lead because you don't get over. First of all, a team that has your number the way Golden State does, and a team that you know you need to beat to get to the championship the way you want to do. When they beat you that way, where the best player takes them a, basically a forty footer. That hurts. That hurts your psyche. That makes you wonder whether you're good enough. And so I, I discount everything that happened against the Clippers. Uh, 
I think that, and right now they're tied in the first quarter uh, with 4.26 left. I think that what happens tonight will go a long way on determining what the what the psyche is of that Thunder team. But I will say this. Scotty Brooks has to be sitting at home thinking, you know, I told you all it wasn't my fault. And I tweeted that earlier because they are doing nothing. Billy Donovan is doing nothing different than what Scott Brooks did. Like It's like he can't control Durant and Westbrook. And they have a decent team. I mean, Ennis Cantor has had some good games here and there. They have Singler. They have your boy Randy Foy. I mean, they have they have players on that team. At the end of the game, it, it turns into ISO at the top of the key. Do what you can. And it just there's no way in hell that's going to work against a team like Golden State, who basically run the three-man weave every damn way until somebody gets a shot. And if it doesn't work, Steph Curry can pull up and hit a 26-footer like he just did. It's now 22-19. Golden State is winning. And so I, I think... As I was talking to my father earlier, he said, don't you think that Kevin Durant is basically in a mode that they don't win this year? He's either going to have to join Golden State or he's going to have to get out of the conference altogether, which only enhances the Wizards' chance. So he's going your, to... Your old man's, what's your old man's name? Michael. Michael. Michael is a smart man. Big, so he's going Michael. the complete other way. He's going against the grain on this KD to DC. He's thinking that what's going on now will strengthen the argument. Because if you're in the Western Conference, you don't just have to be better than Golden State. You have to be better than the Spurs too. And Golden State and, and Kawhi's Oklahoma not City. going away. Kawhi's not going away, and neither is neither is the Marcus, right? Right. So Oklahoma City is not better than either one of those teams. I don't care what they say. Whereas if you go in the East, I mean, okay, I'm I'm really gonna sound like a homer now. But let's say you plopped KD on this team right now. They're they're better than every team in the East. I mean, they are. The Cleveland is in shambles. The Hawks aren't. If we, saw the Bradley, if we saw the Bradley Beal last night, for sure. Yeah. Now you can't have KD on this team as it is to keep everybody. I don't believe, but still, you know. I, so, you know, I, I basically have my head in the sand on this KD DC thing because your old man Michael's got you, got you, got you going on my side on this one now, right? Yeah, he 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 makes a good point, but as as uh, as someone said today, I don't know who tweeted this. It was somebody from ESPN. If you know what Kevin Durant is going to do, I want I'd like to hear it because nobody knows what he's going to do. Yeah, I think that was the Zach Lowe one, right? Yes, about. yeah, yes. that was Zach Lowe. Yeah, no, nobody knows what he's going to do. I don't even think KD knows what he's going to do, and so it's ridiculous. And I, agree, and I agree with that. But what do you think? Well, well, going back to my original point, why has this narrative been? recently with all these people and and you know we have this we have this talk online as well and we can tell the people where you're like you know da david Aldridge doesn't say that unless he has some type of good source right and right tell the people what da said exactly basically he was on tony's show and he said that he he said a lot of things he said number one if kd is going to leave russell westbrook who was Arguably in the top five, one of the top five players in the NBA. I think he's the second second point guard aside from Steph, right? Right, and he's going to leave a practice facility that basically was was built with him in mind. You can get your hair cut, you can get your car fixed, you can do all these things. It's a state of the art facility, 
and the wizard's practice facility is an afterthought that you walk by or you can get away to the locker room. And so he's not going to leave all these things that he's used to unless he's upgrading. And this was David Aldridge saying that. David Aldridge isn't into hyperbole. He doesn't say things off the cuff. He's not Chris Boussard. You know, he says things very measured, very carefully. And so when he said this, as I'm listening, I'm thinking either somebody told him this off the record and he is repeating it in a way that's rather innocuous so he's not incriminating someone, or he just has a hunch. And the other thing that he said, which I thought was even more damning in the first statement, was that he said, in my experience, if you don't know already that he's coming, then he's not coming. And I think the reason why this KD to DC thing has taken a turn is that for a while, Kevin Durant was, he wasn't angry at all. He was just very noncommittal. He didn't say anything. But he's gotten pretty angry here of late. He's gotten pretty chesty with the media and it just doesn't feel like he's gonna, he's, he's, he's coming. And so I think people are reading the tea leaves and kind of seeing how he's gotten upset at it and they're thinking, no, he's not gonna come. I and mean, plus, it just makes more business sense for him to re-up for one more year sign a one-year deal and then decide what he's going to do. Uh, I agree, but how about this? How about he can go to every Redskins game because he loves the Redskins, get his, his mom's and grandma's cooking, can hang out with his bro, can find some 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 beautiful ladies in the, in the club scene here in Chocolate City uh, and not in Oklahoma City. It's not Chocolate City anymore. It's not Chuckle City no more? No. I don't think so. But here, here's my rebuttal to that. How many times, and I, 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 use, I told my father this example of Greg Monroe when he comes in town and he literally has to cut short his warm up routine and his stretching because he has to deal with all the ticket requests. I sat there in the locker room and I saw the PR guy talking to him and he was like, are you fucking serious? I have to sign all these? He was like, yeah, we need you to verify whether this person needs, and, he just went to college here. He just went to college here too. <laughs> right. He just went to college here. Like he's not even from here, but it was just aggravating him. I've seen it with Steve Blake too. The ticket request when you come home, and that's just when you come home. Let's say you're here on a nightly basis, and your boy who cleans sneakers for you when you lived in Suitland is like, "Hey man, I need some tickets tonight." Like that's draining. Like you can't go anywhere. But I feel like without- Tony. I feel like Tony Durant. That's his job. His brother. I I just I. It's, it's mentally draining to be home. And, I mean, look, this is on a much smaller scale, but when I used to come home from college and everybody wanted to see me. I had relatives, I had family, I had friends. Everybody had wanted to see me, and I'd be home for a week. And I just, after a while, I was like, fuck it. I don't want to see anybody. Multiply that times being a superstar and playing for your childhood team. That's That's very stressful, as opposed to going to L.A., or staying with Oklahoma City that you know, I, I mean, I just, I don't know. I think the, even you would admit, you would be shocked if KD said in July, I'm coming to D.C. And oh. he wrote a little article for the Players Tribune, and he said, <laughs> this is why I'm going back to D.C. <laughs> in a Redskins jersey. Because uh, he he'd talk about being a young kid on the green line and going to the Wizards games. You're right. A lot of this is pie in the sky and wishful thinking. 
what I was trying to rebut the, the, the change of the narrative lately, because once again, well, we're just talking about the Zach Lowe tweet. Nobody really knows. But yeah, right now we just have, oh, the Wizards are struggling. Uh, Kevin Durant's not coming there. Why would he come there? Because the Wizards are struggling. Even though, like we mentioned, John Wall and Bradley Beal are not going to go anywhere. The whole plan of the organization, for better or worse, is to make a good offer to Kevin Durant. Hell, at this point, I might be down with hiring Scott Brooks to be the coach to get Kevin Durant. I mean, it would be unbelievable. The media would be great to him. Uh, and I, and I, and I think that, uh, bringing a title to his hometown would be an awesome thing. Once again, this could be wish, this could be wishful thinking on my part. Rashad, uh, this, 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 this wrap this up. It's been way too long. I know, I know you got, uh, family and a little one. Uh, this, you and mentioned these, drink. yeah, and why, yeah, what are you drinking right now, by the way? Uh, I'm drinking, right now, uh, I'm, dr- I'm drinking a Cabernet Sauvignon. Cabernet. I'm drinking a Victory uh, Hop Devil uh, uh, Indian Pale Ale from 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 Virginia, I believe. I'm actually out of them because we've been podcasting way too long, and I might have to break this up to two podcasts. But let's finish here, Rashad. So the Cavs on Friday night in Cleveland, Indiana at home, and you mentioned earlier about the West Coast trip. But let, let me just uh, remind the people: so they play Friday and Saturday back to back. Uh, it's also going to be Polish night on Saturday night. Gortat's really, really excited. I don't, I don't think he's going to have a figurine like he did last year, Super Gortat, and and I hope he has a better game. I've covered it the last two years. I might just go as a fan actually, but uh, they play Tuesday in Portland. Then they have actually Wednesday, Thursday off in Utah. Yeah, have fun in Salt Lake City, <laughs> and they play Utah in Friday night. And then they play Denver on Saturday night. What I'm concerned about the road trip, uh, b- before we get to the, the, the two, uh, the, the two games coming before that, is this, just the mountain, you know, Utah to Denver. Just kind of, once again, maybe a schedule loss. So of those, of those games, what do you see in the next four games? I think they'll beat the Pacers. They'll probably lose to the Cavs. And they'll probably split the Utah and Denver games. It'd be bad if they lost, uh, all three. I think Portland, I think the Portland game might determine what happens. They win in Portland. They could split both of them. But I think they got to go two and one on this road trip, but I can see them going one and two. Oh and three would be a disaster. I think they're going to lose to the Cavs. I think they're going to beat the Pacers. They're going to lose to Portland. And I think they're going to win in Utah and Denver and be on that, that, that upswing again. So that's, that's what I think. I think. I just think the Cavs are going to be motivated to play well. Uh, I think the Wizards are going to play well, but I think they're going to fall short. Uh, the Pacers, which is the next night, by the way, the Pacers, that's, that's a winnable game. The Pacers have been struggling a little bit as of late, even though they won last night. Uh, and then Portland is just, it's just tough. And you're not going to beat Portland with a Beal on the bench. You're just not, because they're starting with McCallum and Lillard. And I know that Temple is a great defensive player. Well, I'm not going to say great. He's a good defensive player, but if you're going to... Well, anyway, they're going to lose that game because McCallum and Lillard are going to run them to death. But I think they're going to beat Utah and Denver, and they're going to be in good shape. Now, the key is, what what is Chicago doing during that time? What is Orlando doing? What is Detroit doing? Because that will determine whether they move up. If they go 3-2... and two, and at the end of it, they're still in ninth. 
it doesn't really mean anything. So. Yeah, I was looking at the schedule as well. They still have to play Atlanta three times, which in his last twenty two games, which is kind of weird. But then Detroit is who they're chasing, and they play them twice, and then they have another game with Chicago, and they have a game with Charlotte. So those are kind of the teams left that are they're kind of chasing that are above them. The rest of them, uh, obviously, aside from they have to still have to play at Golden State. The rest of them are just kind of teams that aren't very good. So we'll see what really happens. Rashad, we've we've gone on a long, long time. I know you gotta you gotta finish your uh, your your wine. Tell the wifey hello. What 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 about your your little boy soccer team? I, I talked about my uh, team that I coach. How's he doing in soccer? What what is that experience? Is it like Ladybug the movie? Well, well, two things. I'm, I'm gonna. I have some breaking news here, and then I'll, I'll update my son's soccer team. Uh, I start, He's he's practicing, so he's only four. It's ages four to five. They just practice skills. He he hasn't really progressed enough to take his show on the road. That'll happen in the springtime, uh, coming up here in April. He'll actually start playing competitively. So I keep you updated. But the wife, right before I went on this podcast, indicated that she wants you to be on the Bachelor. <laughs> she she has extended an invitation for you wow, to be on wow, the this tu- is great. They're going to be recording Tuesday or Wednesday. She wants you to be on there. So, you know, you need to let your listeners know number one that you even watched that fucking shit show. <laughs> show. Number two that you were going to be stretching. You're going to be extending your your talents to another podcast. I have no shame. I watch Downton Abbey and I do watch The Bachelor. I'm in. I get a rip on rip on them. I I love that. I love that. I I could be honest. I I I I'm in. I, I tell her I'm in. I will do that. All right. Yeah. We're, we're breaking news here on the Wizards podcast. I'm gonna go on a Bachelor podcast. <laughs> I I am turning into Bill Simmons. I am turning into fucking Bill Simmons. <laughs> the Ringer. I'm on the Ringer uh, on Pixel Roll. Well. well uh, that Rashad, any any advice to to the Wizards fans, to the people that that have listened to us uh, ramble on uh, here? Just be patient. Just just be patient because this, as bad as the East is, as inconsistent as the Wizards are, they could find themselves on the cusp of the sixth spot, or they could be out of the playoffs. But you can't overreact to a Cavaliers loss. Can't get too excited if they beat Portland and Denver. Just stay even killed. As long as they're always within one to two games of that eighth spot, just be patient. And I'm not just talking to Wizards fans. I'm talking to myself. Yes, I know I'm an alleged journalist, but let's not act like we don't. All of us at Truth About It don't have skin in the game. We want them to make the playoffs for so many reasons. So the key is to just remain even killed. I mean, if they lose all five games, then we're all going to hell. It's just, you know, but they're not going to do that. So. Just, just be patient, or as, as your boy Aaron Rodgers says, just relax. <laughs> just relax. Yeah, he was—he was at the Oscars with Olivia Nunn, looking all looking all dapper. I was really excited. Uh, thank you, everyone, for for enduring this podcast. We we appreciate your support. We continually do this. We have twenty two more games left of the regular season. Got some more guests planned, you know. And hey, things are looking things are looking up. They're positive. It sounds like even Rashad is more positive than when this, this podcast started. I'm sure after a couple of bad losses, you can find us online uh, bitching up a storm. So uh, shout out to all the supporters and the fans. Uh, we're going to finish this season strong. And, and as always, go Wiz. Yeah, I'm afraid like I'm scared as a dog, but I've got a new-